You are listening to Setting History Straight with Linda Watson on Hebrew Nation Radio. Hello, America, and those of you who support this program, The Story of Why. I really appreciate you being here, and today I am creating this particular podcast uh, for someone who asked me a question. Now, let me lay the foundation for that question, and then I'll tell you what it was. Um, One of the things that has um, come up uh, just recently this week is the fact that Tucker Carlson, the ex-Fox News employee, has let us know that he has started reading the biblical text. He, uh, and this is actually kind of a funny matter, he tells us that he, um, he is an Episcopalian and that the Episcopalians do not read the Bible. It's something they do not put before their congregation as a rule and take them through the text. So Tucker decided that he would start reading it. He began in the New Testament, really enjoyed it, um, thought it was quite amazing. And so now he has started what I call the ancient path, which is actually very real for today, even though so many of our church organizations try to dismiss it, because in reality, the spirit that has crept into our churches does not want you to walk the ancient path, as Jeremiah 6.16 tells us. But you need to walk that path because it does give us the answers that we so need on the political landscape for today and in our personal lives, on our in our spiritual growth and walk. So Tucker has started reading the Old Testament And the last report that I have heard is that he is currently in the book of Leviticus. Many of us would find the book of Leviticus a bit tiring, um, but it is reported that Tucker is actually enjoying it, which is uh, eyebrow raising, actually, because most of us on this program know who Tucker Carlson is. We know that he has stood for truth and for calling out deception and abomination in our nation and and even in the world. He is someone who seeks answers and he seeks truth. So when we hear that he is seeking God in a more detailed way, which would be exploring the biblical text, then it does cause us, or some of us anyway, to raise eyebrows and wonder, as many of us do seek the rise of the two witnesses in the biblical text, and we, we most of us are familiar with the two witnesses from the text of the book of Revelation, I believe Revelation 11. And so when we consider that Tucker is moving in this direction and he already has a strong voice and a platform, we feel that God may, we we already understand that God is using him, but that God may be using him further and that his separation from Fox News, which is a mainstream media organization, could be most deliberately God's hand in moving him into another place where he can do more work for our great father in heaven and towards the building of the government of God on this earth, which we know is coming. So with that in mind, 
um, in bringing out the topic of the two witnesses, uh, Joey, I would like for you to take us right on in to the two witnesses and Revelation 11, which you will now see on your screen because he has pulled in um, a way for us to actually put it on screen and talk about it as it and roll through it as we move forward. Okay, Joey. Okay, thank you, Maria. Um, so the first thing I'd like your listeners to know is that uh, I'll make the statement, and I stand behind this, that the book of Revelation, like the book of Zechariah, is 100% symbolic. And what I mean by that is that there is always an underlying meaning from what it seems to read on the surface. Um, and so th there's a story below the story, and that it's the story below the story that is the actual truth. And that's you know, it, it's, it's like Christ talked in parables. There was no event that occurred in that parable. He's not recounting history. He He's simply using an analogy. But the truth is below the surface. And the same thing is here with Revelation 11. So what you see on your screen is Revelation 11, verse 1. And I'll just start reading. It says, Then there was given to me, John, John's the one speaking, a measuring rod like a staff. And someone said, Get up. And go and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. So this isn't something that's going to happen. It's not something that did happen. It's just sim symbology that's pointing to something else. Leave out the court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it. For it has been given to the nations, and they will tread underfoot the holy city and we make the case the holy city is a reference to the ancient Jerusalem, but it is pointing to the nation of the United States of America. So tread. That would be today. Yes. That, yes. Yes. Because, well, we'll go into that in a future program. I want I want to try to stay focused on this time frame. However, I do want to bring out here um that the word nations here would be the Gentiles, right? That's correct. Where it has been given to the to the nations or the Gentiles, and that would be folks, people who are not Israelites. And again, I have to remind my audience here because so many of you have been taught that all Israelites are Jews, and that is not true. It's absolutely not true. The nation of Israel was uh, made up of 12 and even 13 tribes when Joseph's sons became two half tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. So Joseph as a tribe ultimately became two tribes. And that's why you will sometimes hear that Israel is 13 tribed instead of 12. OK, which also goes back to why we had 13 original colonies in this great nation. Um, but. We can go into that detail um, at a later time, but we are seeing our government, the nation's capital, it is being trampled by those who do not have the mindset of the teachings of our God, which is the God of Israel. Okay, Joey, I digressed there, but I thought it was important to put that in. Yeah, it's a very good digression. Uh, I would like to also add to this comment about the Holy City, and that is to say that um, 
there is a new Jerusalem that is spoken of in Isaiah 65 that is also speaking of America, and it's a reference to the figurative Jerusalem that's in the, the major and minor prophets. And just so that your listen, listeners will know, all of the major and minor prophets from Isaiah to Malachi is telling the exact same story. And that story is the establishment of the United States of America under the auspices of the prophecy given to Ephraim uh, in Genesis 48, the tearing or excuse me, the turning away from Yahweh's covenant law, our heavenly father's covenant law during the period that our country was being developed. We've turned away from the Almighty, and then he has to tear it back down and rebuild it. That's the story, the, the underlying thread throughout the major and minor prophets, and the reference to that entity that we know as the United States of America is the holy city, Jerusalem. It's just the new Jerusalem where he has regathered the house of Israel to the true promised land, which is America. So that's the nutshell of, of what we're, we're talking about. In and verse also, thir- I, I'm sorry, and very quickly, Washington District of Columbia. See, we forget that it actually has a description. It has a description of District of Columbia. And Columbia is a reference to peace, right? Right. So when that, when we can, when we go ahead. Salem means peace. Jeru is district or or area or city of peace. So Jerusalem is the city of peace. So is the District of Columbia. District is a city or a region. And of course, Columbia, as you say, is peace. In other words, Washington, D.C. and Jerusalem are synonymous in, in, in their meaning. Right. And these things are veiled, folks, so that they can't be trampled as God is working. And so... When you have insight, when when you begin to study and you actually walk the walk of Christ, you don't just pick and choose the walk. Uh, you actually begin doors are opened, your mind is opened and you and and the Holy Spirit will guide you and help you to see these things uh, and, and actually understand them and be able to to stand with the sword of the spirit and defend any attacks that come. That's one reason I I know that our churches today do not have the sword of the spirit, because if they did, they would have been able to already chop up into little pieces all of the attacks that uh, have been uh, put on our nation in these past few years, all of the accusations of of being colonizers and um, how we've robbed the Native Americans of their land and things like this. They do not know the word of God or they could have stopped that from the very beginning, including, you know, how we are uh, slave owners, etc. Because that entire story is on the ancient path in the Old Testament. Okay, Joey. Go ahead. Verse, th- verse three, and I will grant authority to my two witnesses. So here you go. And they will prophesy for twelve hundred and sixty days clothed in sackcloth. And that that has symbolic meaning. It doesn't mean they're going to walk around with sackcloths on their back. The sackcloth. I- I'm sorry. Sackcloth actually means that that they carry a sense of mourning. Their their attitude, their spirit is one of mourning. And in this case, it will be a mourning for our nation and our people is what is what the clothed in sackcloth is. So you will recognize one of the ways that you will recognize them is because they their their attitude, their demeanor, 
their spirit. And while they may joke at some points, okay, they will they will be in a type of mourning for the nation. In other words, you know, why are these things happening? I'm going to tell you why they're happening. It's because you have walked away from the almighty God, you know, who is the God of Israel. And guess what, folks? You are Israel, and that knowledge has been stripped from you, and it's time to relearn it. It will be one of the messages. They're, they're, in other words, they are going to build the case so that you will recognize who you are as a, as a people, as a nation, from the biblical text. Because if you read the major and minor prophets, it describes our government and our people and our land in detail today. Yeah, and it's unescapable. I mean, it's just right there on the text. All you need to know is the players on the scene. Once you start applying who the players are, the nations, the the entities that that the Almighty uses to describe us, then it, it jumps off the page. And that that's a great point, especially for the audience that's li- that will be listening to this, Joey, is because so many um are constantly told that these players, these characters that are in the biblical story are not real characters. They they try to tell us that they are supernatural beings that are out in heaven and that they could never possibly walk as men on earth and perform these acts. And or they assign every character that does anything to Christ himself when it's clear from the text that all of these characters are not Christ. Right. Right. So so you have to watch for these characters to appear on stage. And if you are well versed in the biblical text and your eyes are open and your ears are open, then you will hear and see these prophecies uh, fulfill as they occur, I mean, or or you will see them as they are occurring. You you will go, oh my goodness, that's in the that's in the biblical text. The Bible said that this would happen. So that's why one of the goals here is to make sure that we're all, including ourselves, fully awake. We have to stay in the Word. All right, I'm I'm we need I need to be quiet for a little bit so we can get through this text. <laughs> Okay, so verse four, you need to pay careful attention to because we're going to see it again. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that were that stand before the Lord of the whole earth. Uh, we'll see this again in Zechariah chapter four, verse five. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire, and there is a there's a symbolic meaning of fire, which is truth. Fire or truth flows out from their mouth and devours their enemies. So these these two witnesses have the ability to speak truth in such a way like Maria was talking about to literally counter uh, contradict the attacks that are coming upon us and their word there's a, a massive amount of power in their words so if anyone wants to harm them they must be killed in this way and that that killing is like a, a a debate battle, if you will. Right. It's a spirit. It's a spiritual debate. It's it's slicing so, their it's slicing their lies and their falsehoods to pieces and sh- just, and revealing the truth. Just like Tucker Carlson did to Mike Pence a couple of days ago. These have the power to shut up the sky so that rain will not fall upon 
uh, will not fall during the days of their prophesying, and rain is a form of prosperity. In other words, the left is is prospering; they're they're gaining the allegiance of the people. And in reality, uh, this text, in my opinion, is is talking about swaying uh, the the opinions of of the uh, masses onto the ways of truth. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague as often as they desire. There's a tremendous amount of symbolism there that goes back to the plagues of uh, Egypt, but we won't get into that. So we'll come yeah, back. Our to- focus, yeah, our focus today is to answer the question of the time setting. Yeah. So we, we could stop here and go into a lot of detail, but I to keep this as short as possible and to answer the question, we, we will continue. Okay, so I want to deviate from Revelation 11 and then come back to it. So a minute ago, I mentioned uh, verse 4. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the whole earth. Uh, let's go to that text, which is kind of away from the the order that Maria and I had talked about. So this is uh, so that you'll know Zechariah chapter 3 and Zechariah four are dealing with the two witnesses individually. Zechariah three deals with one witness. Zechariah four is dealing with the second witness. And so we'll start with this second witness. And then the angel who was speaking with me returned and aroused me or aroused me and as a man who is wakened from his sleep. And he said unto me, what do you see? And I said, I see and behold, a lampstand of gold and its bowl on top of it and its seven lamps on it with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on top of it. Also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side. And then I said uh, to the angel who was speaking with me, what are these, my Lord? So the angel uh, who was speaking with me answered and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. And then he said unto me, this is the word of the eternal to Zerubbabel, and we're going to talk about Zerubbabel in just a few minutes, as being one of these two witnesses. Now, that's not Zerubbabel today, but in typology, saying, not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the eternal of hosts. What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? The great mountain there is Babylon. What are you, Babylon before Zerubbabel you will become a plain so this is the tearing down of our government that is over us today the government of resurrected Babylon that is suppressing us and I'll just tell you that's that's the the leftist agenda that we see in power today and he will bring forth with top stones the with shouts of grace grace to it grace means favor It's not unmerited pardon for sin. It it is literally favor for obedience. Verse 8. I'm sorry. Anytime you see mountain in Scripture, you should consider that that is a nation because a mountain is symbolic for a nation. Also, the word of the eternal came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house and his hands will finish it. So this entity, whoever he is, has started the arousal of the people back toward righteousness and his hands will finish it. So this is a literal person that is alive at the end time. Then you will know that the eternal of hosts has sent me to you for who has despised the day of small things. In other words, 
there's a bigger agenda to what is happening than what the churches will teach. It's, you know, the churches teach, well, it's just about salvation. It's about personal salvation. It's about the person of Christ. Well, no, there's a bigger picture, a bigger agenda at stake. But these seven, and these are the seven churches that are spoken of in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, will be glad when they see the plumb line, and Maria talks a lot about this plumb line that has governmental ties all to it. In other words, where are you placing your allegiance governmentally is which side of the plumb line you're getting on. When they now see that the plumb, plumb line, that plumb line will be a line drawn in the sand, right? Yeah. And we know if you study the biblical text at all, you know that the tribes of Israel are equated to the sand or the children of Israel are compared to the sand. We always hear that phrase, a line drawn in the sand. Well, there is a line coming that will divide our nation, and it is this plumb line, and it is very important to which side we get on, and we need to get on God's side. We do not want to be on the adversary side, and our nation has been divided before. It was divided anciently, and we will be divided again. And that's what this plumb line is in the hand of Zerubbabel. He is going to be calling the nation to join him in walking righteously before our God. And so we better hope that we're watching for that and we get on that side before that line is snapped. Because once it's snapped, it will be like the door of the ark closing and you won't be able to get on one side or the other at that point. Whatever side you're on when that line snaps, you're stuck. That's very well put. These are the eyes of the eternal. These eyes, the seven, okay, of the seven churches of Revelation seven, uh, 2 and 3. These are the eyes of the eternal which range to and fro throughout the earth. So they're looking, they're watching for prophecy, prophetic events to occur and to alert the people that it is occurring. Verse 11, here's the statement that uh, I ask you to pay attention to from Revelation 11, verse 4. Then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the, of the lampstand and on its left? And I answered a second time and said unto him, what are the two olive branches which are beside the two golden uh, pipes which empty in the golden oil? from themselves and so he answered and said unto me do you not know what these are and i said no my lord and then he said these are the two anointed ones who are standing by the lord of the whole earth and so i hope you can see the tie between revelation 11 and zechariah 4 now a minute ago i said that zechariah 4 is one witness and we're, we're talking about zerubbabel zerubbabel is a governor he is a he is well. He's the governor of Judea. Yeah, he's a he's, political figure. He's not a correct. he's not a church head. You know, the churches have us thinking everything has to do with a church organization, and guys, that is not the case. Yeah. So Zechariah three tells us about Joshua the high priest. So I'm not sure if Maria has done a program on the the two throne system that is coming that is the government of the Almighty here on earth. That is a church and state, or it's better said, a king and priest government where you don't have a necessarily – you don't have one individual like the churches teach. When Christ returns, he's going to sit on the throne and he plays the role of both church and government 
or king and priest. That's not the case. Christ is returning as the God, and there is a physical entity sitting as king, and there is a physical entity sitting as priest. That's what's described as a church and state, king and priest, style of government that the Almighty will establish. Well, the other half of that equation is the religious side, if you will. It's the priest side. And then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the eternal and Satan standing in his right hand to accuse him. And the eternal said unto Satan, the eternal rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the eternal, the Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. In other words, we talked a minute ago about Jerusalem being the prophetic typology of the United States of America. And it is the eternal who has chosen that promised land, to, to the place in which he would regather his people Israel. That entity has rebuked you, Satan. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Maria, you want to talk about that statement right there? Uh, this is describing Joshua, the high priest. And so Satan, Satan is trying to go to our father and say, or he it has gone to our father and he says, how can you use this one? Yeah, he, he's, he's full. He's full of sin. So why filthy. would you which is exactly what our churches say, by the way, because if a man is not perfect in their in their term, terminology of perfection, then they say, well, oh, God could not be using him. You yeah. know, and I hear that all the time, even in, in the chat that I was referring to earlier. Oh, you know, he has too many women or has had too many women. There's no way God could use him. But they, they totally throw out everything else in Scripture, like King David, Solomon. And, of course, Solomon ended up falling because of his women. But, um, but I mean, David was known for several wives and women. So, you know, we can't, we have to be careful how we judge. Uh, we don't judge biblically. We need to go back to the text and see how God handled it, how he judged. But yeah. so, so basically this, this one, this Joshua, the high priest is going to be someone who is not a perfect human being. Okay. And being plucked from the fire, that means that he overcame something. God allowed him to walk through a trial and tribulation period in his life, and he was able to overcome it with the hand of God. I'm sure that this person probably reached out to God in his anguish and said, you know, dear Lord, help me, you know, and so he was he was pulled out of this. And it continues here, if I may, Joey, in verse 3 of Zechariah 3, it says, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel or the messenger. So this high priest character, while he is what we would consider a good and godly man, he is still wearing filthy garments. He is not walking, in my opinion, he is not walking fully as Christ walked because he has been deceived in believing he can pick and choose what he prefers in that walk. Would you agree, Joey? A hundred percent. He's not walking in covenant law. And so that the listeners will know, covenant law, which are the 36 chapters found in the book of the covenant, which is in your Bible, is the exact same synonym as Christ himself. They are They are the same thing. Covenant law is Christ and Christ is covenant law. He is the word, and that is what the word is. It is the, and he the words. Li- it, 
Yeah, he lived it. He, he lived came it. and he exampled mm-hmm. to us how to walk this walk. And it goes beyond just a, I mean, it is a personal walk, but it's also, well, I'm going to go down a rabbit trail, so I'll stop. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it, it's the detail of how to properly worship our Heavenly Father and how to live righteously with our fellow man. Christianity would know that as love toward God, love toward neighbor. But the problem that Christianity has is they will not examine and then the do the, the detail of it. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Or they toss out the doing. They say, we don't have to do it. You know, Jesus had to because he was, quote, a Jew. That's always the excuse is yep. we don't have to do it because we're, quote, not Jews, right? But yep. Jesus had to because he was a Jew. So we pick and choose because we're better than Jesus and the Jews. And we'll pick and choose what we prefer to do out and, of his walk. And from so. which our uh, American Constitution is based upon. It is 100%. like a... Yep. It is like a modern reforging of the covenant law, uh, but our people haven't made the connection. And guess why? Because our churches made a deal with the feds that they would uh, be under the 501c3s and they wouldn't discuss government in the churches so that they could get uh tax exemptions and monetary discounts and whatever else they've decided to hand them. And so they sold out. Is exactly yep. what they did in order not to speak of God's government as it is written in the pages of the biblical text. They're not supposed to teach okay, verse, it and then compare it to our current political world because then they would lose their tax exemption. Okay, go. Okay. Verse four, he spoke and said to those who were standing before him saying, remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, see, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. And by the way, that festal robes are governmental robes. Then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, which is a mindset cleaning. In other words, he's going to secure a complete walk of Christ and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts. And I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. Do we want to comment on that? Yeah, I, I definitely want to comment right here because this uh, th- this individual is one of the two witnesses, and yet he must learn still. And the ones he is learning from are those who have knowledge of the things he is missing. And what he is missing is what we just spoke of is the detail of covenant law. Once once he gets a hold of everything he needs to know from covenant law, then he will know how to work with the king righteously and advise the king and work with the king to go forward in the government. Covenant law is the, the missing ingredient. The government of God. Yes. Yeah. A yes. righteous government. Covenant law is the missing ingredient to this, to a successful constitutional government. I'm, I'm just telling you that's – there are those who have that knowledge, and if he – 
if this witness in the future says, okay, I will, I will follow you. I will get in the text and I will learn everything that I possibly can from that. Then the father sees that and he grants free access among those who have the knowledge that he needs, the detail thereof. So in other words, the people who have this knowledge of covenant law and how it coordinates with government, God has basically held them back. And he's reserving them and he won't allow them to be used by someone who will not adhere to our father's full ways, his full walk. Right. In other words, he doesn't want them abused. It's, It's very much like in the old days. okay, where a father would have a daughter that he loved dearly and uh he would be looking for a suitable husband for her. And so he would, he would try the young man out and he would say, Oh, I, this you're you know, you, you've really got everything I'm looking for, except, you know, there's a few things uh, that you're really going to have to fine tune, or you're going to have to come into agreement with if you want my daughter. And so that's basically what's happening here because it is, it is my opinion that these that our father is holding back and telling Joshua, the high priest, he says, if you will walk in my ways, which is really all of his ways. And if you will perform my service, then I will allow you to govern in my house and have charge of my courts. And I will also grant you these people who were such a jewel to me. And have this knowledge, you will have free access to them to go to them for counsel. So you see how that is? So it's it's literally like it's my daughter. It's the bride who I have raised up and trained to be your what? Help meet. Go back to Genesis. It is a help meet to meet you with the help that you need. So that same story that Maria has conveyed is three chapters up in Zechariah chapter six, and where he has he shows you the sons of Zephaniah, and the word Zephaniah literally means the hidden ones, and so these are the hidden ones that are the these over in Zechariah three that this witness gets exposed to if he commits to keep our father's covenant law, then it's these that make a crown, an ornate crown, and set it on Joshua's head, the high priest. And so then the branch, which is the Zerubbabel figure, is also have a crown set upon his head. We have a multitude. This is two thrones, and there will be peace between the two offices. This this is kind of a nutshell version of what I'm what Maria was saying that's given here, but notice there are two offices, there are two thrones, there are two crowns, there's a king and a priest. And so these that make the crown, these that, that a crown is something that's placed upon a person's head that is a commission. And so these hidden ones play a major role of advising these two offices of how to govern properly. It's a beautiful story. It's exactly what Maria said. The hidden ones are the female entity of in the equation, like the church is the woman, the bride. And so the returning Christ sets his, his representatives on the physical thrones to govern the coming kingdom of God here on this earth under his rule, by his spirit, 
but the advisor to both of these offices is this hidden entity. And I'll just tell you, it's the woman of Revelation 12. But that's that's for another another. Yeah, story. we don't have time to go into that, but that is that is a great, great study. Um, and then it is my opinion that the crown in verse 14 of Zechariah 6, were you in 6? Yes. Uh, yes. You, you skipped. Okay, go back to that. That It says now the crown will become a reminder in the temple or the house or government of the Lord to these uh, men, Helam, Tobiah, Jediah, and Hen, the sons of Zephaniah, or the son, Hen was the son of Zephaniah, which the, all their names go back to being hidden or concealed. Um, I believe it's a reminder because all of these people, these named ones here, were walking in covenant in their personal lives as our Father in Christ, uh, exam, or as our Father instructs and Christ exampled in his walk. But this Joshua the high priest character was not, right? He wasn't walking fully. So what that is a reminder of is that God uses who he will deem to use. He he raises up men, and even as Isaiah 45 tells us, he can even use men that have not known him. He will raise them up and use men who have not known him, right? Right. So, it's a reminder to all of all of those who are in these um, self-righteous mindsets of, oh, well, we've we've walked the walk. We're doing exactly as as uh, Christ instructed and our father in heaven instructs. And so therefore, he's going to have to choose out of one of us. Right. No, that's this right here. It's it's just another reminder that God there are other people out there that may not be walking in the righteousness that you perceive righteousness is, but God sees the whole of that man. And he says, this is the one. All I need to do is bring him into this knowledge. And if he accepts it, then he will be the one that I will continue to raise up and who will govern my house. So it, it I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. So getting back to Zechariah 3, Maria, you want to continue? Because this is a very important statement. Uh, Verse 8. Yep. Now listen, Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you, indeed they are men who are a symbol. For behold, I am going to bring in my servant, the branch. Now let me tell you this. This Joshua the high priest figure, he is a character on stage. I don't want to name who I think that character is in this program today, but I believe he is already here. I believe he is working and he does have many friends before him, friends who who support him, who listen to him, who believe in him. And these people are a symbol. And how can those people be a symbol? Well, It could be because he has called them to specific events and they have shown up and they have worked. They have served as he has requested. And so once God gathered his basket of summer fruit or summer workers or summer producers, the people who are willing to serve, which, by the way, in this context, I believe that... um, So it's Amos that tells us 
uh, how God will no longer pass over his people once he has that basket of summer fruit. So this individual has gathered a people, which I believe are his friends that uh, sit around him, support him, work with him. Um, He asked them to act and they will act for the betterment of our nation. So uh, Amos explains that once God sees this basket of summer fruit, then he will no longer pass over his people, Israel, or the nation of Israel. And again, folks, I know many of you, your minds immediately are trained to go to the Middle East. And I'm telling you that you you need to consider, and I'm, I'm not being a dictator here. I, that's why I use the word consider. I'm telling you that you need to read the biblical text and consider that it is describing the United States of America of America. And while you consider that, you need to remember that we have been the greatest nation on earth in the shortest period of time. Now we are falling and we are falling because of our great sin, just as the prophecy and the text also detail. Right. Okay. We digress there, and we need to get back to this this two witnesses um, beginning their ministry in a time period of the Gregorian December. So let me just finish this chapter. Verse 9, for behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua, one on one stone are seven eyes. And again, those go back to the seven churches of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares the eternal of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. And that's speaking of a year, a day for a year in prophecy. In that day or in that year, declares the eternal of hosts, everyone Uh, of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. That's a statement of peace, and that is the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, in my opinion. Oh, I also believe it's a period of time where where people begin to openly discuss um, God, his ways, the biblical text. It it won't be something that that people are, you know, mum to speak of openly. Yeah, that's correct. So Haggai, the book of Haggai, which is one book prior to the book of Zechariah, is the the main subject of Zechariah are these two witnesses. And I'll just open by reading this. Okay, that's correct. All of the all. Uh, most all of the ancient nations that you read in the biblical text are actually alive and operating today yep. in America. That's why your constitution is so oppressed, because you have all of these nations who did not walk in the uh, covenant law for a nation that our God says we are to walk in. They don't they don't use that covenant law. And so that's why the the Constitution has been pushed down. And we're even told that it's really not useful anymore for for today, which, by the way, is a lie, because we have seen that those who use the Constitution and go to the Supreme Court and sue. And we've seen this recently with the covid vaccine. They are winning their cases. Right. You have to work at this point in time in our nation to use the Constitution because your local courts don't use it. They're regulation courts. okay? They're admiralty code courts. 
you have to go to a higher court to get the Constitution used. But when it is used and you have a constitutional court, you will win if you stand on the principles of God and the Constitution, because it goes back to the fact that the Constitution is still the supreme law of the land. It's like the body of Christ. Joey said a while ago that covenant law is Christ and Christ is covenant law. Christ's body was stripped of its flesh, which flesh can be symbolic for choice, right? For choice and liberty. But his bones were not broken. So the bones of our Constitution are still there. It's still there to be used, even though they have worked with regulations to strip your liberties from it, the choice to the choices from it. If you work, and that's why I take courage, all you people of the land, because covenant law is a land law, our Constitution is a is a land law. Take courage and work. Use it. It's going to it's going to require some effort in this time period to use it because they don't want you to use it. And they put blockades in your way when you try to use it. Right. But when you do use it and again, we're seeing the results, the people who have gone to court using the Constitution, they are winning their lawsuits. And yes, they may have given up prosperity in their life when they said, no, I'm not going to take the vax, fire me. And, and those who waited to be fired, they are the ones who had the constitutional cases. If you were pressured to quit your job, then you quit on your own accord. You don't particularly have a constitutional case. So, you know, guys, we have everything we need now. The problem is we don't have the faith or the courage to use it because we have walked contrary to our father who is in heaven, who gave us these instructions. And we have not walked the walk of the one he sent, the Christ, who exampled the walk for us. And while we can say, well, Christ only exampled a personal walk, if you look more deeply, you examine more fully, he also examined a governmental walk. Okay, the only other thing I want to say about the two witnesses is that their their prophecy is for 1,260 days, and so that's roughly three and a half years. It's very close to 42 months. These times overlap. They're not exactly the same, but they are close enough to where we can uh, know that from basically the December time frame period to the summer three and a half years later, um, we've got that war going on between the beast and the two witnesses back and forth as the people are trying to be strengthened by these these two leaders, if you will. They are they're they're spokesmen. Spokesmen, yeah. yeah. They are witnesses for uh the truth of righteousness. And that's just the best way to say it. Okay, so so I hope you have an understanding now of of why I said that the two witnesses are to begin their ministry in a December time frame. And again, you have to go back to the Hebrew calendar and Joey has walked us through where to find that um, in the text as it um, coordinates with the two witnesses and how to determine that. 
So it will be in a December time frame that they begin their ministry according to what we see here, right? This would be a prime time for the two witnesses this December to begin their ministry because it, in in my opinion, it would be nice if they laid a foundation for our people before the rest of the prophetic story hits and it will hit. That's it's right. Gonna, yeah. And we, we won't go into that at the, on this program, but, um, but yeah. So going back to Tucker Carlson, which we opened with, and that's what again raised the eyebrow as to watching for the two witnesses, the fact that God has taken, and we made this example with Joshua the high priest, he has taken a, a man that he is obviously uh examined and watched and he's probably said uh, this one right here this one will will he will do a great job speaking for me and and showing my people israel and those who have joined the house who my people really are and what their faults are and why they're in the position that they're in in the nation and why these things are happening to them and how to begin the correction, the walk of correction. So because Tucker is devouring, it sounds like, the biblical text at this time, he has a real interest in it, even, you know, laughingly in Leviticus, he's enjoying it, was the report. Then we have to question, those of us who watch, could he be one that our great God is preparing to be one of the two witnesses? Uh, we don't know, but we are going to watch it, right? We are going to contemplate it and, and watch and see. So, and, and God can do things quickly, folks. If he's already through the New Testament and into Leviticus and he's devouring it and enjoying it, he could very well be ready by December. Don't you agree, Joey? Absolutely. Spot yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God God works in uh, in magnified ways, and sometimes he pulls way back and slows way down, which we often get frustrated with, but uh, we're glad he does because otherwise we probably wouldn't exist today <laughs> if he moved too rapidly. So, okay, folks, uh, Joy, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Nope. Say your line and let's go. <laughs> Thank you, folks. Again, take courage and work. <laughs>